Christmas season lasts from Christmas Day until Epiphany, 12 days, the 12 days of Christmas. So it's not too late in the year to still be saying, Merry Christmas. Ah, first service stiffed me. They're like, we're not saying it. We're done. But you guys are much more festive. You got more sleep. God bless you. All right. Well, our theme, our theme here today is the road ahead. And so we have these road signs. They mark where we've been and where we're going. So let's jump right in. And uh, here we have slow children at play. Lots of kids. Do you know that Lakeland Community Church, uh, uh, one quarter of the congregation is under 15? That's a lot of children. So one of the um, scariest things about being a young parent, if you're trying to go to a church that is not, you know, that's new to you, is what to do with your kids. You're going to leave them with strangers. Are they scary? Do they know what they're doing? It's hard for the kids themselves. They don't like all the strangers and, and they can have separation anxiety. We have some pretty, you know, dramatic scenes there outside the early childhood room sometimes. And so one of the things we started to try to do this year is to spruce up the look there a little bit. The effect we're going for is that when kids get to the doorway and the tears are rolling up, they're like, wait a minute, that looks cool. Okay, I want to go in there. See you later, mom and dad. So Sarah Zung is our early childhood director, and she said, we're okay with tears in early childhood if it's because they don't want to leave. If it's because they don't want to stay, then we need to do something about that. So one of the things we did uh, is we kind of repainted the infant room and gave it a warmer look and reupholstered the chairs. And that's okay. The infants do all right because there's also someone holds them and takes care of them. That's good. Preschool, too, needed a little more help. So I think we have a picture of the wall there before. And then uh, we had a mural artist come in and create this mural. Do we have a picture of that? Yeah, so it's got the earth, and you can see Lakeland, you know, as the center of the earth, of course. And, uh, and it goes out, and there's the moon and galaxies, and that's cool. So the artist who did that donated most of her time and talents to that project. So we were really thankful. Now, there's no end to the babies that we're going to have in this congregation, right? And shipments arriving monthly. Here's just a few, here are just a few of the babies that were born this year. So we're still... Uh, got a lot of little ones coming. We're not getting out of the early childhood business anytime, anytime soon. One of the things we want to do next year is we want to add this treehouse kind of look to one of the rooms. We thought that'd be exciting as a kid to walk up and see that and just something so they can feel comfortable, the parents feel comfortable, then they can come in here free of that anxiety and hear the good news that God has for them. But we're not just doing it for the parents. We also do it for the kids themselves. So they'll grow up with this memory. I liked church. Church was fun. Church was a good place. Church is where I knew people loved me, and somehow that love made it easier for me to understand that God loved me too. And we're going to continue to value those, those little ones. So all that talk about valuing children, and then I make this really smart alecky joke here. See if you can figure this one out. This one says, slow children playing. You get it? Oh, that's terrible. Okay, that shows my dark sense of humor. Um, let's, try to, let's try to move on from that. Uh, so we had huge changes in our kindergarten through 12th grade ministry this year. We had new staff. We had uh, new ways of doing our ministry to that. We had, uh, at the time I wrote this message, we had had 30 new volunteers from the congregation join into our K-12 ministry. But I have to scratch that out because by the time I'm giving you the message now, 50 new volunteers have joined our <laughs> kindergarten through 12th grade. Yes. Thank you to all of you who have ever served in kindergarten through 12th grade, and especially those who joined on new this year. 50 of you. That is un unbelievable. You know, this is something we do for each other. 
we do for each other's families. Uh, I don't know if you know, I try not to advertise it too much, um, but I do spend a month every year doing the drama station for kindergarten through fourth grade. So for a month, some of you sneak up there and watch it That's I'm, and put it on YouTube. That's what I'm trying to avoid. But for a month uh, out of every year, I'll put on a fake beard or a ninja suit or whatever, and I'll, I'll write up a Bible lesson for kids that I hope is exciting and memorable. And I do that for your kids because I know that many of you go up and you do highs and lows and you take the kids to stations and you do that for my kids. So we do this for each other's kids. Even if you don't serve in that area, uh, many of you work hard through the week. You come, you give your tithe, you give your offering. Tens of thousands of those dollars go up into our K-12 ministry to provide the staff that organizes it, the supplies that make it cool, the fake beard and the ninja suit and, and all the rest of it. And uh, so we, do, we all are participating in doing this for each other, for our families, for our kids. And I thank you all for that. Um, others of you uh, design the stations. Do you know, it's hard to get school teachers to serve in children's ministry at church because they do that all week and they don't want to. And I don't blame them. But do you know that two of the teachers who volunteer in our ministry who design our stations were teacher of the year in their districts? We've got really awesome people designing our art station and our drama station, and we're really thankful for them. Others of you lend your cars so that we can get kids to youth events, or you even let us invade your property and your farms and your cabins so we can do retreats and things like that. So thank you for everyone who participates in that. The real question is, do the kids like it? Um, This year we started seeing a lot of middle school and high school kids inviting their friends to church. Now, high school kids will not show up to something if it's lame. They just won't come. And if it's okay, they'll come, but they will not invite a friend. If they invite a friend, it will have to be awesome. And the ministry that you guys have all put together is awesome because we started hearing a lot more this year. Our youth group's going to Worlds of Fun. I'm going to invite two friends. Hey, we're having a lock-in. You know, you guys got to come. This is going to be great. We're going to ski trip. This is great. Wednesday night, we don't have a youth group. They would say, we have a sacred community, and you should come. You're going to hear something amazing. And they were inviting their friends. So thank you to the youth who are doing that and to all of you who have made it such that they're not embarrassed to do so. So um, we are really excited about that. And we're going to continue in 2014 to value youth see them growing in Christ and able to reach out to their own peers with that, that message. Our next sign says, no speed limits. I put this one up because I think this really represents all of you. You have no speed limits. We did a message about exactly like this about this time last year. You might remember, I don't know if you remember, but it was set up like there was a New Year's Eve party that had been thrown and I was in here cleaning it up and uh, talking about what we did and what we're going to do. And uh, at one point, I got up uh, in the middle of it, and I said, now, wouldn't it be cool? This is just an idea. Wouldn't it be cool if we could invest in the next generation of Christian leaders? Just dreaming last year, I said, what if we could hire some college-age interns to be here in the church, and we would train them up as future Christian leaders. We would put them to work in our K-12 ministry, which we want to add some drama to, and they'll bring youth and energy, and they'll be doing a ministry that actually happens and actually matters, and so they actually have to get good at it, and that's the best leadership training you can have. And then I held up an offering plate and said, well, we're just having this idea, and it's not in the budget, so we're going to have to raise a pile of cash if we want to do it too. So that's what we said about 12 months ago to the day. So here they are. These are our four interns that we hired in August. Matt Swaney, Haley Roach, Ashley Belch, and Amanda Porter came on in August. And they are uh, being trained up in ministry themselves. 
Since they have come, our high school ministry uh, has doubled in size. So I think I skipped it, but can we show the picture of the Utah trip they took? Some of the guys, we took our kids out to Utah. They had some great experiences out there. You'll be hearing more about that uh, next year. Now, did we raise the money? We got the ministry. Did we raise the money? We, to pay those four salaries for a year, plus get some computers and things so they could do some work, plus some retreats so they could grow spiritually and be trained, we set, thought that this would cost about $55,000 for the year. We had to raise that above our normal giving, above our as one. We had to ask for 55000 more. So at the time I wrote this message, we had raised uh, $43,000 toward that goal. But I have to scratch that out. Because by the time I'm giving the message, we have raised 53000 toward that goal. We're only 2000 shy of crossing the finish line for this ministry. And uh, that is thanks to all of you, so please give yourselves a hand. <laughs> you gave the first 19 because last year you gave more than the church spent. So we saved that and put it toward this, the first 19. The elders themselves, their families, gave the, the next 14. And then the next 22 is given by other families in the church. So we're just 2,000 shy. So maybe there's some of you today who think, I'll help us cross the finish line on that. Um, you can see me and we can do that. Um, anytime between now and probably March, you can just write a check and put emerging leader in the memo. Or you can go on Lakeland Connect. There's a drop-down box that says emerging leader. You can do that anonymously that way if you want. And, um, and then we'll, we'll finish this out. Will we have emerging leaders next year when these guys run out? Yes, because that is already part of the 2014 budget you approved. So here's why the no speed limit sign. Because we went from just having a dream about this to having it in eight months. So um, I'm immensely proud to be part of this congregation that can make that kind of sacrifice, that kind of investment in kids that kind of investment in the next generation of Christian leaders. We don't know where these four will go on to minister in the community of the world, but wherever they end up, you can know that you are some of the first to invest in their ministry and their training. So God bless you. Yield. One of the greatest gifts God has given us is our scriptures. They give us the good news of Jesus. They teach us the story of God and how he interacts with his people. And I'm getting nostalgic uh, right about now because uh, in August, I'll have been a pastor here for seven years. And I think back of all the different scriptures that we have studied together. We've studied from the book of Genesis. We've studied from Leviticus. Remember when we brought in the live goat? That was a, that was a great day. Um, we studied from Samuel. We learned how to pray from Psalms. We have done Isaiah, some from Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, 1 Corinthians, Ephesians, we've studied all these different books together. Some books of the Bible we studied entirely, front to back, every single verse, verse by verse. We did the entire book of Amos from the Old Testament together. We did, we did Jonah, you might remember, took a very short book and stretched it into 10 weeks. That was awesome. Thanks, Dan. Um, and we did, uh, we did 1 Thessalonians, every verse. We did 1 Peter. And uh, on Wednesday nights, over the course of two years, we did every verse of the Revelation as well. So the Scripture has really been our guide, and our goal is to yield to the Word of God, to learn it, and then to do what it says, because it brings us freedom.
I mean, it convinces us of the love of God. Just this last year, the book of Mark took us through Lent. You might remember that. We had the high throne for God, but he also gives us a low throne from which we are to run the earth in our lives as he would have us do. And we remembered our places here and God's places there. First, Peter, you might remember, taught us that we may suffer, actually, because we're doing the right thing. But to look forward always to our reward in Christ and stay to it. And then we had the book of Acts for a few weeks to teach us that God has given us the church as a place to heal from poverty, from sickness, and from sin. So I'm excited. We're going to continue to learn the scriptures and yield the scriptures next week, uh, next year. Already uh, developing a series on Proverbs that I'm really, really excited about. A book of wisdom, and specifically a book written to pass on to children. So we'll learn how to do that too. How to make life work, how to share it with the next generation. I'm very excited about Proverbs. And there's a passage, of, a section of Israel's history that uh, we, you and I, have never studied together. And uh, Dan has done some preaching on it years ago, but... We've often talked about how Israel was taken into captivity in Babylon, but there's a period of history when they were allowed to come back to try to rebuild the nation. This is just before Christ came, and we've never done this together. So uh, I'm excited to blaze some new territory in the history by studying the book of Ezra together next year. So I'm excited to see what that's going to bring us as we study the scriptures. Our next sign, speed bumps ahead. Okay. Let's look at what we have up here for a moment. Investing in children, in youth, training up a next generation of Christian leaders, teaching everyone the scriptures and to yield to them. These are the types of things that change lives. These change families. These change communities. And bit by bit, they change the world. Do we believe that our enemy, the devil, called Satan, that serpent from before time, it's just going to sit still and watch all this happen and twiddle his thumbs without tempting us, without throwing obstacles up, without trying to tear us down, without trying to bring discouragement, without coming to kill, steal, and destroy, as the scripture says. No, no. Because, precisely because we do the work of God, we have speed bumps ahead that we can expect. One of the greatest tools I find these days in spiritual warfare is extremism. Who knew Satan could use extremism? Attacks can come to ministries. Attacks can come to the individual families that do the ministries. And my gut this year says the ministries are very strong. I predict the next wave will be toward you. I wrote down a few ways Satan can destroy a Christian family. The first way is to turn the family into ministry animals who give all their time to the church, all their money to the church, all their attention to the church so that they ignore and neglect their own household. And their children, their spouse, their neighbors grow up thinking, the church is a sick, twisted place because it took away my dad or my husband or my wife or my neighbor. Ironic. By too much attention to these things, our family can be destroyed. And it serves the enemy, actually. Another way a Christian family can be destroyed is to turn... The parents into helicopter parents, hovering over every soccer game, every piano lesson, every horseback riding lesson, signing their kids up for league after league and overlapping leagues and concert after concert and shows that overlap with other shows such that there's no time, no money, no energy, no attention to do any ministry. And the family is cut off from community into another world in which they do not hear the story of Jesus. 
Extreme attention to the family to the exclusion of spiritual things is another way the family can be destroyed. And this is why we have to walk such a fine line in our congregation and say this. Let your families thrive, but thrive in community. Let them be athletes and great athletes. Yes, let them be artists and great artists. And the Lord knows I have a second degree black belt and a theater background, so I can, I can quote Shakespeare while I kidney punch you or something. But, but don't pursue those things past that line where you can no longer be in community. You can no longer hear the word of God. You're no longer among the people of God. You're just in that world, just getting better and better at things that don't last. They're useful. I benefit from all that stuff up here preaching right now. But what if I'd only become a ninth degree black belt and never preached? What would that be? Really nothing. Not at the end of time. So, so thrive, but thrive in community. Draw the line before you get to that place where you're now separated and isolated and your children are receiving something, but not nothing, anything spiritual. So in that, in that vein, we offered some parenting classes last year that were oh, amazing. We had some Christian counselors come in. They taught us these parenting principles, and it was life-changing for everyone who came. But in a congregation where a third of the congregation is under 15, there was too few parents in those classes. And ironically, one of the themes of the classes was that in our context, suburbs, we become too busy to parent our children well. All we can do is get them from one thing to the next. We can't actually invest in their soul. And ironically, we couldn't, many of us couldn't even invest in their class, you know. So don't do that this year. Don't do that, especially with spiritual warfare ahead. Don't be too busy to invest in the things that really matter. So next year, we're going to do marriage classes. They're going to start after Easter, but we'll start signups right after the first year. So I want to ask married people a little bit going into 2014. A few questions. Are you beginning to feel like your spouse has character flaws? <laughs> Things wrong inside them. Are you starting to have the same fight with your spouse over and over and over again? Are you, do you feel a sense of hopelessness even while I'm talking that it could never be any different than that? <coughs> Are you engaging in busyness to avoid your spouse? Are you thankful that you can sit outside the piano lesson because they have to be at the soccer game and then you don't have to interact? Are you find yourself saying, fine, fine, a lot. Fine, that's just the way he is. Happy wife, happy life, or that, that kind of stuff. But if I asked you right now, can you keep doing that for decades? You're not so sure. You need the marriage classes that we're going to be doing. I'm going to do them, and we're going to do them all together. Maybe you're not there at all. Maybe you're in a really a good place right now. Uh, you need to go back to Dan's sermon last week that said, if God has something for you, he wants you to be like children, greedy for it. Or if God has something to make your marriage even better, even richer, even stronger, even more dynamic, and he holds it out to you, God wants you to be greedy for it. Yeah, I want it. My marriage is great. If it can be even better, I want it to be even better. If that's you, you also could do these classes. And, and they will provide that. So think about that. Think about that going into the new year when you start hearing about those sign-ups. Don't be too busy to invest in the things that really matter because whether Satan attacks these or attacks you, the result is the same. We can't lose either thing. You 
are vitally important to the mission of God. The ministries of the church are vitally important. They both must be strong and prepared for attack and the speed bumps ahead. So let's do it. And our final sign is carpool only. This is a reference to our mission. We've said it probably a dozen times in the sanctuary. There are no individual Christians. The kingdom of God is something you do as the people of God, as a family, as a community. The road to heaven is a carpool only lane. We do it together. So I want to ask you, in 2014, going into it, who are you praying for? Who in your workplace needs the freedom of Christ and to know the love and forgiveness of Christ? Who are you praying for in your workplace? Who in your family needs the freedom of Christ and to know the forgiveness of Christ? Who that you have just spent the holidays with or are just about to is hurting, confused, lost, who needs the love of Christ so that you could be praying for them? Who in your neighborhood, who at the soccer games or those, or those shows or those recitals, you think God put you there by chance? There's all kinds of people sitting around you. Look around. Who needs the freedom of Christ and the love of Christ at those activities? That may well be your mission field. You may do more ministry in the soccer bleachers than you will sitting here on a Sunday morning if your eyes are open to the possibilities. Who are you praying for? Pray that God will reach them. And for yourself, promise that you'll make yourself available to be their ambassador and their guide into the kingdom when God has decided it is time. That when their heart is ready, open yourself that you'll be the one who invites them to church. And you'll sit next to them here in the sanctuary. They don't want to sit next to some weird stranger. They want to sit by you if you invited them. You'll invite them to the marriage class, you'll take it with them. They don't want to come sit with me and some counselors. All right? So, so you take it with you. You say, I'm taking this class, and, uh, and you can come too. And you'll get something out of it too. In fact, sometimes they quit and you end up staying, but you love it. So uh, uh, do that. Do that and pray always for them. What will we do as a community? For the person you invited, we'll make small groups. We'll make small groups where there can be a place for them to meet other Christians. You'll be their first ambassador, and then others will share their gifts with the person you invited. Help them grow in Christ, discover their own gifts. Our hospitality team will make coffee and greet them at the door, lock eyes with them, shake hands and greet them in the, in the name of Jesus. Make them feel welcome and loved. We'll put on all these children's ministries and youth ministries for their kids so they can feel comfortable and safe. And actually, they'll feel a little proud that they're investing in the souls of their children. We'll do that for the person that you invited. Uh, the pastors and I will write sermons. We'll teach the scriptures so they can hear the story of God and yield to the word of God. The worship team will put together music and art that ushers everyone into the presence of God. We'll do this for each other. I'll do it for the person you're inviting. You'll take some part of it for the person I'm going to invite. And we'll become a community for them to get in the carpool only lane. <coughs> they can't drive by themselves in. They'll need someone to show the way. So let's pray. Let's pray for them. So what's happening next year? All kinds of stuff. Marriage classes. There'll be a women's retreat, I'm sure. There'll be a men's retreat this year. We're going to do a big men's retreat. So put your ear to the tracks and listen to that monster rumbling down the tracks. We got some crazy ideas. I described it in a staff meeting, and all the girls laughed like it was the dumbest thing they ever heard, and I thought that's exactly the reaction we want. We want something a girl would never go to. All the guys were like, yeah. All right, so there it is. Um, uh, Mercy Street will continue. 
on Saturday nights, 5.30, for those with hurts and habits and hang-ups, always there, always ready for the next person. There's going to be some movies come out next year. I wonder if our church ought to do something about. Russell Crowe is going to play Noah. All right. Christian Bale is going to play, in December, Moses. I don't know about that one. I keep seeing him in front of Pharaoh going, let my people go. What? I can't understand you. Let my people go. I I would do it if I could understand what you were asking for. They only ten plagues. Let my people go. Maybe it would explain what hardened Pharaoh's heart. He's like, no, he was hard of hearing. He couldn't make out the garble. Anyways, uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, maybe that'll be something. So uh, we're going to start doing camp every other year to keep the energy in that. So next year, we're going to do a big fall blast with hay rides and bonfires and all sorts of stuff we haven't even dreamed up yet. But look forward to that big community moment there in the fall. And, and lots of other stuff that hasn't even been thought of yet. And you'll all be there for it. And we'll be bringing our friends, family, co-worker, neighbors. Because this is what we do. We share good news out of gratitude. Well, let's end this way in prayer. These candles that have been burning down have represented prayers from people in the first service. These are the candles from Christmas Eve. These are the the candles that got lit a couple nights ago. Uh, As we sang Silent Night, they represented the light of Christ going out into the world. Um, This morning, they're going to represent your prayers for those people that you are praying for. That God would uh, reveal himself to them. And that you will serve as their first guide into the kingdom and And let them join your carpool. And so while the band sings, pray. Who is God laying on your heart? While they're still singing, if you want, you can come up and light one of these candles. It'll represent your prayer for that person going up before God. It will also represent your hope that the light of Christ, which is what these candles represented, will shine out of this room all the way into the heart of the one you lit it for. You can come up here and light them. You can go up those stairs there and light them, and then you probably want to go down that stair that way. Don't light your sleeve on fire. Let's lift these people up before God today. So let us pray, and then you can continue to pray and come up if you want during this song. But let's pray together. Father, we pray for each soul in this room. Lord, for the young, may be envisioned to know the love of God. Pray for all those who have joined on. A prayer of gratitude for their sacrifice of service, their sacrifice of giving that have made these things happen. We thank you for your spirit who has empowered it all and made it a thing of Christ. Pray for the speed bumps ahead. You would defend us from our enemy, the evil one. When your word says, if we resist, he will flee. Now we lift up people who aren't even here yet. Lord, may we see them come. May we see them profess Jesus. May we see them baptized. And it starts with these lights. May your light reach from the sanctuary all the way to the hearts of those we love and care about. In Christ's name, amen. Let us stand together and receive the benediction. May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storms. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Go in peace and Happy New Year.